Welcome to the Luminary Woman Podcast, where real women gather to tell the raw, extraordinary truth of their lives. This podcast serves as a healing space for women to liberate their voices, own their truth, and gather around the power of story to turn shame into honor, heartbreak into healing, and breakdown into revival. I am your host, Jessica Rudvotes, and I believe your story is your power. I believe your voice is worthy and that your divine truths are someone else's healing guide. If you're a woman who appreciates real talk, deep conversation, uncensored truth, and raw human stories that connect you back to the heart, you're in the right place. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing your luminous light. Now let's begin. Welcome back to the Luminary Woman Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So I just want you to take a moment wherever you're at and come to a place of stillness. Come to a place of fully arriving in yourself. So maybe just close the eyes, interiorize your attention, and just tune in to what's real for you in this moment. Allowing your awareness to descend into the physical body. Can you be with the sensations that arise without judgment, without evaluation, without seeking to objectify your human experience by placing a label on it or attempting to modify or fix it? Can you just be with the full spectrum of your human self here in this moment? And then take a moment to really receive the breathtaking relief that's there when we just drop into presence, when we just let go and just let ourselves be and stop the fussing, stop the contorting, stop the shape shifting to be or strive or become anything other than who we are. When we can allow ourselves to fully inhabit this space within us, when we can permit ourselves to be fully enough and glorious as we are, that is when we are most available and able to truly connect with others real intimacy, true connection stems from this ability to be fully anchored and grounded within our own presence. Can you be fully present with yourself? Can you hold space for your own humanity? That is ultimately what opens up the connection that we're looking for with others. And this is the kind of connection that I'm seeking to cultivate 
with you all, with my listeners, with my audience, with my community, with this sacred circle of sisters and friends and way showers of the divine feminine and what it means to be consciously human on planet earth. And so I just wanted to remind you that, that anytime you push play and begin to listen to one of these episodes, you are tapping into a frequency of connection, a tapestry of sacred sisterhood that appreciates your presence and honors the whole of who you are. Even if you can't see them yet, though I'll try to find some ways for us to connect face-to-face as this podcast continues to unfold, but I just want you to have that deep knowing that you are seen, that you are heard, and that you are received exactly as you are. And I also want to thank you again for really holding that space for me in your life. I am here today once again with my cacao game, ready to share vulnerably the truth of my heart as I continue to tell my soul retrieval journey and the personal narrative that unfolds alongside of it. So I do want you to know that if you're just tuning into my podcast for the first time, you are coming in halfway through a story. So you're definitely going to want to go back to episode one and listen to that entire podcast first before you start listening to this one. Because in that podcast, I lay a really solid foundation um, as to what soul retrieval is and I also tell the beginnings of my journey, my story that inspired me to seek out the soul retrieval experience. And I am not going to go back or really recap any of it. I'm just going to kind of pick up where I left off. So definitely push pause on this episode if that's you and go catch up and come back. Okay, so this morning I saw a quote on Instagram. I found a new account that I'm like totally obsessed with. Um, You can follow her at Back to the Woman I Was. And she's a writer. And one of her quotes was, Learn to tell your story to the most important person in your life, you. And that quote really spoke to me because it made me really recognize how healing this is for me to be able to rewrite the story that I lived over the last few years. And I'm not rewriting it in the sense that like, I am changing the sequence of events. I am not making things up or adding things to my story or taking anything away. I'm rather changing the lens through which I choose to look at it. And as I change the way I look at these events in my life, what I'm seeing is changing. And it's because I am choosing to see my own story 
in a way that honors and empowers me. And so I wanted to share that reminder of what a powerful practice this really is. And I hope that it inspires you to offer that gift to yourself in some way, whether it's you kind of taking a look at the timeline of your life in a different way, sitting down with your journal and kind of reinterpreting certain events, seeing the different gifts that some of these tragedies that have occurred in our life story have offered you, or maybe even inspiring you to come on this podcast and offer that gift to yourself in a truly profound way. Just dropping a hint there. Um, But anyway, I just wanted to share that quote because it really has just been so cathartic for me to shift the story that I'm telling in order to call in the true story and legacy that I want to leave behind in my life. So where we left off in the soul retrieval story, I was telling you about the first indication of soul loss in my journey. And so this really occurred for me when me and my partner got back together after our first breakup. And I shared about how after we got back together, I was suddenly missing a really essential part of myself. I can't really totally describe it in words, but something just felt deeply off. It was like my unique life force, my personal blueprint of my soul was just no longer accessible to me in the way that it was prior. So the unique gifts and abilities that made me me were seemingly nowhere in sight. And this included my ability to write, uh, my ability to access the channel that inspires me to create, um, that enables me to place words to my own experience in my own unique way. Um, You know, my ability to dream and daydream and to speak clearly and sharply and boldly my fiery passion, all of these qualities that I really relied on to put my sacred work out into the world. They just were no longer available for me to really resource and lean on. And I didn't feel like Jessica. I did not feel like myself. And I have to admit, this was incredibly scary for me because It was A, something that I hadn't really experienced prior, maybe somewhat in my early 20s when I got swept up in a cult for a few years, which again is going to be a totally different story that I share. But it just, even then, had a really different quality to it. This felt like it was completely out of my control. And because of that, it felt like I was unable to really do my work in the world. And this was scary because I had big projects up on the horizon that I wanted to be able to show up fully for. And I remember during the season of my life that I had to take an Ativan before I would go in to lead a workshop. 
So Ativan is a benzodiazepine, which is often used for panic disorder. And panic disorder is something that runs in the mother line of my ancestry. It's something that I have struggled with since I was a teenager. It's something that really comes into my life left field out of nowhere. And for me, I really experience it as kind of an entity that haunts my ancestral line. And I also am somebody who struggles with fear of flying. And I think that a lot of people are surprised to hear that when I say that because I travel all the time. I mean, I've taken hundreds of flights. I can't even remember how many. And yet it hasn't really gotten any easier for me. Um, I would say it's actually probably gotten worse. I am like more sensitive um, to travel now than I was even in the beginning. So Ativan is something that I always have on hand. It's not something that I take daily, even weekly, even monthly. It's just something that I have available to me in the case that I have an unexpected panic attack. However, in this season of my life, I would take an Ativan before leading a workshop because I was suddenly terrified to take up space. And I can't really describe it, but there was just something so terrifying for me about being embodied before the presence of other people. And mind you, at this point in my career, I had led countless classes. I had taught numerous sold-out workshops and several international retreats. It's not like this was something that was new for me to do, but out of nowhere, I suddenly felt unable to source the confidence and trust in myself to fully inhabit that role. And ultimately, I think the fear had a lot to do with the lack of trust that I now had in my voice being there for me. Because it really seemed like that channel that I used to rely on in order to take that role, in order to be that presence and that leader, was no longer available for me. And it's something that I'm honestly like still healing and something that's coming up for me a lot in just recording this podcast. I think that especially when I'm first starting to start the episode, there is like a fear, a hesitation, like, is my voice going to come through for me? Will I just suddenly forget what to say? Will I lose the ability to place words to my feelings? Like there is still kind of a fear of abandonment around my own voice, around my own intuitive channel that's coming up for me. And so I've just had to allow myself to really show up in a space of imperfection on this podcast where, yeah, I might have to start my sentence over a few times. I may stutter. I may get you know, tongue-tied, and I may not be able to think of the word that I'm trying to use, and I might have to pause for several moments before I continue on with what I'm trying to say, and I am going to permit myself to do that, and I am going to claim that my voice is still valid, that my voice is still worthy of taking up space even when it's imperfect, even when I'm struggling to get the words out. So 
I'll be honest that this newfound disconnection from myself really brought me to a space of desperation because I had already committed to facilitating the embodied feminine immersion early that next year. And if you're new to following me, the embodied feminine immersion is an eight-week journey that I lead for a group of women where we explore eight different archetypes of the feminine and what it means to embody those qualities in our bodies and in our everyday lives. And so I knew that in order to implement that creative vision into fulfillment, in order to truly lead and empower from an authentic and skillful space, I needed to get myself back. I absolutely needed to recover the part of me that felt missing. And so my desperation led me to resort to the one thing that I know I can always depend on to bring me back to myself. And for me, that is travel. So travel is a huge part of my life, and if you were to look at my natal chart, you would see how massively it plays a role in my life purpose. And travel is not something that I take lightly by any means. It's not about taking a vacation. It's not about having a getaway. For me, it's not even about wanting to explore and adventure or seek out new places. For me, travel always feels like I am responding to a call of sacred pilgrimage. It always feels like I am receiving an invitation back to myself in a whole new way. It feels like an invitation to meet unexplored territory within myself. And there is nothing that fascinates me more in this world then going to a new land, experiencing the unique Shakti or the unique frequency that vibrates and emanates from that specific geography and witnessing the impact that it makes on my psyche and my soul expression. I truly believe that each place that I have ever been has brought out and refined a different aspect of myself. And I truly do feel like I am a new version of myself wherever I go. And it's really hard for me to find people in my life who understand this. I feel like when I talk about how life-changing and transformative travel is in my life and in the lives of so many people, I am always met with these judgments and these dismissive statements of, well, you can't escape your problems, or what do you think you're trying to run away from? Or my least favorite, wherever you go, there you are. And you know, I get the sentiment, and I totally agree that leaving a place or an environment is often not enough to solve a problem, and it's not necessarily going to eliminate your need to heal something. But I do believe it can solve some problems, and I believe that it absolutely will awaken new insight and capacity to heal in a way that you probably wouldn't be able to in an environment that causes you to close and wither. 
And honestly, I think that this statement of wherever you go, there you are, is total and complete bullshit. Because I know from lived experience that I am a different version of myself in every single place that I have been. And I don't know if this is something that I have more access to as a Gemini, as mutable air. And actually, my sun sign, moon sign, and rising sign are all mutable signs. So maybe shape-shifting just kind of comes more naturally for me. But I believe that we all have this invitation to awaken unexplored spaces in the vastness of our human potential through travel. And of course, our environment has a significant impact on who we are and who we become. And to think that we are somehow invulnerable to that is completely ignorant and arrogant. And it's really just an indication of how severely disconnected we are as a collective from nature, from Mother Earth, and from our global family. We have forgotten that we are a part of an ecosystem. We are a part of the wild. And the ecosystem that we're inhabiting determines whether or not we can thrive. And so clearly this is a topic that I'm super passionate about. And I'll probably end up recording several podcasts just on this topic alone. But needless to say, travel for me has always been a way of coming home to myself. For me, being in a new environment, away from the astral conditioning, away from the old fucking stories, away from all of the memories and feelings that we have attached over the years to these same familiar buildings and landscapes and people and passerbys, you know, it just really starts to become this kind of entity that really hovers over your life experience and confines and tells you who you are able to be and who you are allowed to show up as. You know, it really limits the expression of yourself that is able to come forth. At least it has for me. Maybe I am just particularly susceptible to this. Let me know. DM me if this is something that you experience too. But for me, it really helps to leave an environment, to enter a fresh space, so that I can suspend the stories, even if it's just temporarily, so that I can inquire into myself in a truly unadulterated way so that I can discover who I really authentically am apart from the bullshit of what my past tells me I am. And there's actually a TED Talk about this. I don't know specifically which one it is, but it's about neuroscience and it's about how the brain is pretty much set in its ways by a certain age and that the only things that really have the potential to change our ingrained thinking and our conditioning and our perception of ourselves and the world is travel and psychedelics. And it's through putting ourselves in a new environment that really enables new possibilities 
to become available to us. Because when you enter a foreign environment, your brain does not know what to do with itself. It does not know how to keep you in line through the self-protective mechanisms that it has formed over time to keep you safe. It doesn't really have a context for this new environment that you have put yourself in. And so suddenly you are so much more porous and malleable to new input, to new insight, to new possibility for living and being and expressing and perceiving yourself in the world. And this is something that I have witnessed time and time again, not only in myself, but also in the participants who attend my retreats. I cannot tell you how many times I've had a retreat participant, you know, really have a breakthrough moment and say, I, I've never been able to perceive it like this before. I never thought about it that way before. I have been in therapy for seven years and I have not even remotely ever began to see it from this perspective. And was it that I said something specifically profound to them? Maybe, but most likely it's because they're in a new environment and because they're in a new environment, they are open to new perspectives. Their mind has reoriented in such a way that they are able to look at their story in a new way, in a new way that brings light to new possibilities and ways of relating to themselves. It is powerful stuff. I could honestly talk about this all day. Um, Clearly, I'm super passionate and fiery about it, and it will probably record several podcasts just on this topic alone. But needless to say, travel for me has always been a way of coming home to myself. But anyway, back to my story. My friend Gita invited me to go with her to Brazil to attend a program called Trauma to Tantra. And I will say that Brazil was never even remotely up there on the list of places that I wanted to go in life. Like I could think of several other countries that were way higher up on my bucket list than Brazil. However, it just really felt like a clear yes to the point where my soul literally would not let me sleep until I bought the fucking plane ticket. And that is one way that my soul does consistently speak to me, especially when I'm not listening to it, is through insomnia. So eventually, I bought the ticket to go to Brazil for 10 days in January 2019. And I just want to remind you that at this point, I hadn't really worked, aside from a few workshops, since September, since before I went to India. So needless to say, my finances at this point were kind of dwindling. And prior to me getting involved in this relationship, I was always the kind of person who had at least five figures in savings, or at least I was always aspiring to have at least that amount. And that is something that significantly changed when I started dating this person. 
He was in the process of embarking on his own business endeavor at the time that I grew reacquainted with him. And he was somewhat financially reliant on me for a few expenses at the time. But I also was just way too emotionally distraught, like all of the time, to get any work done or have any sort of creative inspiration dealing with these symptoms of soul loss. And it was just like a really emotionally draining season of my life. It was just like every few days, the rug would be pulled out from underneath me and I would perceive an abandonment or he would threaten to break up with me and I would be triggered and consumed in fear, panic, and despair over the thought of being left by this person. And the perpetual highs and lows, the constant cycles on repeat, and just the turbulence of it all really left my nervous system completely zapped. And I honestly just didn't have much left over to give. However, in my desperation to recover a sense of myself, I did take what money I had left and I went to Brazil to attend the Trauma to Tantra program with my friend Gita. So I'll admit that I did not necessarily fall in love with the country of Brazil. And I'll also be fair to say that I didn't have a truly authentic experience of it. My experience of being in Brazil, both times that I've been now, has really just been me taking an Uber from the airport to the retreat center and then back to the airport after the fact. So my only real experiences with Brazil were like the few times that I went to the beach um, and my experiences at the airport. But I will say that even those small pockets of real life experience in Brazil just like really didn't inspire me to look deeper. However, my experience of being in this program was super healing and transformative for me And so was being with my friend because she was able to reflect back to me parts of myself and parts of my life story that literally nobody else in my life can. And I often feel misunderstood or not fully seen by the people and friends that I have in my hometown because they can't really witness me for the fullness of who I am and what my life has truly been. Because not to sound like elitist, but my life is so much bigger than the confines of what has occurred for me here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Like I have families abroad. I have friends and lovers and soulmates in different parts of the world. I have a rich existence that is far beyond the longitude and latitude of where I was born. And there is nothing wrong with the fact that my friends here aren't able to fully witness those parts of me, but I can't tell you how breathtakingly refreshing it is when you get to be around somebody who can. It's just like a remembrance of who you really are and what you are capable of achieving. And Gita, I'm going to share more about my story of meeting her and what has transpired for us in our friendship when she actually comes on the podcast because she is going to share a recent journey that she took in participating 
in an MDMA therapy study for healing trauma. So that's going to be super fascinating, and I'm excited to have her on. So I'll share more about her um, in that upcoming episode. But in short, she was there with me in India. She was there with me in Greece. And we know a lot of the same people. We've crossed a lot of the same paths. We have been influenced by similar teachers. And she personally knows a lot of the people who have been significant contributors to my life story. And I just feel like even being around that makes me feel more whole. It makes me feel more seen and less like, I have to explain myself and that I have to, you know, go back and tell these stories. Like it's just somebody already knows what I'm trying to say and, you know, who I am and where I'm coming from. So it was just really healing for me to have that person there in my quest to recover essential aspects of who I am. So the experience of trauma to Tantra was truly pivotal for me. I not only received the opportunity to really identify my non-negotiable needs and how they were going unmet in my relationship, but I also fucking found my teachers. I fell in love with these facilitators because they were so willing to embody their full humanity and vulnerability even while they were inhabiting the role of the space holder, which was just so refreshing and relieving and so permitting. Like just the transformation that occurred within me just by bearing witness to leaders being willing to be just like you willing to let you see them in their work in progress nature and their personal struggle and to let you see that yes they have grappled with their shame and they have really wrestled with their fears and they have come out the other side but yet are continuing to engage in the journey and that they don't see themselves as anything really special for being in this role of a leader and sharing space with you. And it just really offered such sacred permission and breathtaking connection in everyone that was a part of that program. It was just such a unique facilitation that I had never experienced before. And it gave me a vision for how I wanted to show up in that role, not only for those that I was guiding and holding space for, but also for myself. I wanted to create space for the whole of myself to offer and serve, not just the part of me that I felt was ready, the part of me that I felt was realized or perfected or, you know, worthy of inhabiting that space and being seen and having valid things to share, but also the work in progress part of myself, also the deeply human part of myself. And I had just found something in that experience that truly shifted and transformed the work that I do in the world. And I also received a really beautiful snapshot of who I really am when I'm rooted in my heart and open to others despite the fear of rejection. 
And I really liked this woman a lot. And it was just so refreshing to feel her again after months upon months of just feeling like such a displaced, wilted version of myself. This woman was lighthearted. She was uncensored, spontaneous, fun-loving, warm, vibrant, playful, and refreshingly not fucking afraid. In Brazil, I felt recognizable to myself for the first time in months. For the first time in months after living in a perpetual narrative of being either too much or not enough. And perhaps I had been living in this narrative my whole life. But I finally found an embodied memory of myself that I carried with me. And that was truly my solace and my sanctuary within through the incredibly trying months that were to follow. So on the night before I left Brazil, I had an experience that I now in retrospect see as the night that I awakened my wild. So my best friend, Gita, and our new Brazilian friend, Tiago, decided to make a visit to the ocean under the full moon. So we went out to dinner at a nearby beach town and we enjoyed our final caiparina. Caiparinha? Caiparinha. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it's this delicious Brazilian cocktail. And there was just this like eerie Aquarian energy in the air. And so after we finished dinner, we walked out onto the beach underneath the palm trees and we ran up to the shore. And as the lukewarm water began to run over our feet, I can't really describe it, but something within each of us came undone. We took off our clothes. We submerged ourselves into these wild waters. We screamed our prayers into her waves. We released our anger. We cursed. We literally punched the shit out of waves. We rubbed wet sand all over ourselves and over each other's bodies. We held hands and we prayed and we sat in the shoreline and swayed together and sang the Gayatri Mantra. And we giggled and laughed and ran up and down the beach completely naked. We cried and held our inner child and just completely let loose our inner animal. It was like we became a part of nature herself. And it was really crazy when we returned to civilization, when we got back to the retreat center, I literally threw up. Like I threw up projectile vomited. I've never done that before. I've never vomited so unexpectedly that I couldn't even like get to a toilet in time. But whatever toxicity that was in me, that was holding me back and suffocating my spirit, it left my body through my vomit. And there was just something different about me after that night. I knew that something had awakened within me that could not be pressed back down again. 
I had recovered a taste of myself and I wasn't willing to lose it. So I was super nervous about returning to Michigan. I was super nervous about returning back to my relationship to, you know, have these conversations with my partner about what I learned about myself about what really needed to change for me in this relationship in order for me to continue to be in it. And it was a lot for me because I was coming home to literally a polar vortex. So I feel like it's important to note that this was the first winter that I had spent in Michigan in five years. So all of the winters prior, I had spent in Asia, mostly India, and I decided to stay in Grand Rapids through this winter to be with my partner. And so that added an entirely different element to it. And also, I forgot to mention that when I came back from Brazil, I was actually homeless because I had packed up all of my things into storage and moved out of my apartment so that I could save money while I was gone, even though I was only gone for 10 freaking days. But I also was totally ready to leave that space that I was in, and I had a new place lined up for me in February. However, I still had like a whole week and a half of really nowhere to stay, and so I stayed with my partner. So when I saw my partner again after the Brazil trip, I was happy to see him, but I was also super on the defensive because I had just spent the last 10 days getting super clear about my own intimacy blocks, my own true longings for relationship, and my non-negotiable needs that I needed to have fulfilled in order to feel safe within a relationship. And not only that, what I needed in order to maintain a connection to the whole of who I am in a relationship. And I had just spent the rest of my money, or at least the majority of it, recovering the sense of my power, and I was just not willing to lose it again. At least that was my aspiration. But being a trauma bond, it was very, we very quickly dissolved back into the same old, nauseating, anxious, avoidant trap. And I don't really know what it is about my connection with this person, but I could literally go from a woman who felt empowered and grounded and secure in myself to a woman who felt terrified, powerless, and desperate within minutes. So clearly, going to Brazil didn't necessarily solve the problem. However, again, it did give me that 
snapshot, that remembrance of who I really was and who I aspired to be. But within the confines of our relationship, the only thing that really changed was that now my stakes in the game were higher because I was just that much closer to leading this group of powerful women through a transformative journey back to their sacred feminine. And I knew that in order to fully inhabit this role from a space of authenticity, I could not allow this unhealthy cycle to continue. I could not inhabit the demeaning cycle of this relationship and live what I was teaching. So when it became clear to me that my partner was not going to be responsive to this newfound clarity within myself or really acknowledge any of my needs, I did something that I had never done before. I ended the relationship. And I don't know why, but I have never been able to do this. For whatever reason, separation is just so incredibly triggering for me. And I think it's just like this Piscean part of my nature that just ultimately wants to be one with everybody that I care about and fears losing their presence in my life. And this has really contributed to my story around abandonment because, of course, if I'm not willing to ever be the one to put an end to an unhealthy connection, well, certainly the other person will. And when the other person does, my ego, you know, my self-protective self will be able to say, see, they left you again. You were abandoned again. And I get to keep my identity as the one who is always abandoned. So I totally recognize my own participation within this story. But anyway, I tried. I did my best. I really did. But honestly, it was too massive of an endeavor for me at the time. Like it was just too scary for me to fully separate from this person in the circumstances that I was in at the time. So, you know, this was my first winter back in my hometown. My hometown tends to be a really sensitive place of undertow for me. My Chiron, the line of my Chiron or my wounded healer actually runs through my hometown. And so for that reason, it is a place that I tend to get swept back into the undertow of self-doubt and fear and the deeper insecurities that stem from my childhood. And to be swimming in all of that in the midst of my first winter back in Grand Rapids and to be there 
by myself without the partner that I had chose to stay for was just something that I really couldn't handle at the time, especially after months of feeling, for the most part, super disconnected from myself. So essentially, once Pisces season hit, I was a total mess and I missed him so much. And You know, it's interesting that even though I was the one that initiated the end, or at least that end to the relationship, my story of abandonment still was calling the shots. It was still asking me, like, why didn't he come after you? Why didn't he fight for you? Did he not really love you? Is it really over? And can you get him back. So this feeling of worthlessness that really started to creep in began to overtake me. And the more that it grew, the more desperate I became in reaching out to regain a sense of control and equilibrium within my nervous system. But of course, with the nature of the anxious avoidant trap, the more that I reached out for intimacy, the more that he retracted from me. And the more that he retracted, the more that my nervous system fired. And I'll be honest, it was pretty ugly, like on both of us. But for whatever reason, neither one of us seemed really capable of unhooking from one another. And this really just goes back to what I was saying before about how some of our patterns really need to live out their entire lifespan in order for us to truly be done with them. I believe that at this point in my journey with him, we still had a lot of karma to work out with one another. There was still a lot of healing that needed to unfold. And for that reason, we had to continue wrestling with one another. And so I think that really was a part of what contributed to the strong magnetic connection to one another in which we couldn't seem to escape. So during this time, we continue to hang out with one another and hook up occasionally. And we even hosted a Tantra workshop together during this period of time that we were not even officially in a relationship. And I honestly just think that that speaks to the power of Tantra and the power of conscious relationship that we were able to co-create a space of connection even while we were on the outs with one another. And I think that a part of me has been a little bit afraid of revealing the fact that my relationship with him was so unhealthy when I was teaching Tantra and the art of conscious relationship. But even though we were trapped in an unhealthy cycle, our relationship was super fucking conscious. Like I have never been in a relationship more conscious in my life. 
I was painfully aware of what was going on inside me, my intimacy blocks, my limitations, my triggers, my projections. Like I've never been in a relationship where I had a higher and deeper awareness of the mess that is the relational space. And I wasn't at the time like promoting tantra workshops for, you know, having a perfect relationship or how to get your partner to stop mirroring your shit. Like I wasn't promoting anything like that. Rather, I was promoting relationship as a portal of transformation. And truly, I believe that this person and I inhabited that authentically, even when we were in a space of disconnection with one another. So anyway, we continued to wrestle with one another. And after a few hookups and hangouts later, the intensity between us reached its pinnacle and both of our circuits blew. We had a massive fight and the details of which I will not disclose on this podcast, but all I have to say is that I completely shut down. I shut down in a way that I had never shut down before. I not only blocked and removed him on every possible channel, I removed everyone in my life that we had in common. I was so angry and just brimming with resentment that this had become my life. I was stuck in this hometown that I hated in the middle of the most horrific winter I had ever experienced without my partner that I chose this lifestyle for. And now I was in a financially shit place and stuck there. So needless to say, I was really hating myself that I had drained my entire life force, my finances, and my sense of self-worth for a man who had just hung up on me in the middle of my darkest hour. And the shame that I felt was honestly paralyzing. It was so isolating and every small task just felt like such a monumental feat. And I felt tortured by my inner critic that just constantly was pulling me into this narrative of self-reprimand and inadequacy. I felt stuck. I felt powerless and buried under what felt like a mountain of perpetual rejection and neglect. And neglect not only by him, but by everyone. Because I had successfully locked myself into a life where I wasn't allowed to have needs, where I wasn't allowed to be human, where my only real role was to show up and hold space for others. And that any time I expressed my needs, it always seemed 
to lead to some sort of abandonment or punishment. I was angry at life. I was beyond bitter at God and just utterly ashamed at who I had become. But even still, my sense of grief and failure that I was experiencing was nothing compared to the undertow of my abandonment fear. It was nothing compared to my desperation to be loved by him again. So even though we were not in communication anymore, and even though the situation really seemed incredibly hopeless at this point, I still gave what was left of my energy to holding out hope for what had become at this point our predictable reunion. And at this point, I need to say that anything you place your worth in, you will lose. It's law. I didn't write it this way, and trust me, there have been many, many times over this past year that I have desperately wished it was different. But nonetheless, everything in my life that I have shackled my sense of worth to is no longer with me. And so I invite you to receive that lesson now before you are forced to go through any of the experiences that I'm about to share with you in the next episode. So because I like to leave you guys with a little nugget of self-reflection, once this podcast episode completes, I invite you to take a little bit of time for yourself, even if it's just 10 minutes, to sit and be with all of the areas in your life that you are potentially and most likely outsourcing a sense of self-worth in your life. So taking notice to the habits, to the behavior patterns, to the roles that you are playing and the relationships in your life that you are dependent upon to source a sense of validation and worth. And here's the truth. When we experience a trauma, an initial pain in our life that disconnects us from our intrinsic source and divine birthright of unconditional love, unconditional love becomes replaced with a constant and insatiable search for external validation. And it's important for us to remember and come to on a regular basis that it really doesn't matter how much validation you receive in life. It doesn't matter if you receive all of the praise, everything that you've ever wanted to hear from everybody in your life, you know, Even if everybody in the world liked and admired you and praised you for who you are, it still would not close that internal gap. It would still not enable you to come home to yourself in the authentic divine way that you deserve and that you belong to. So 
Anyway, just taking some time to really note all of the ways in which you are leaking your vital life force energy through an attempt to fill a void within yourself and externally source something that only you can give to yourself. Thank you again for tuning into my story today, for making space for my voice in your life and really giving me the time and the grace to do what I need to do to get my story out there. I have to say it has been challenging and leave it to me to always find the most challenging way to start a new project. (laughs) I'm like thinking back to when I first started leading retreats, like I started my entire retreat business with a retreat to India. Like there are countless other places in the world that would have been a smaller undertaking than India. And yet that is the one that I started with. And similarly with this podcast, there are so many other stories in my life that would have been a smaller undertaking to get this podcast off the ground. And yet here I am taking the biggest possible fucking bite and telling the story that is the most difficult for me to tell. So I just want to say that I appreciate the grace and the space to really be with my process. And it's been a lot. I have to internally sift through a lot of inner content to show up to this microphone and speak from a space of authenticity and really reach into the spaces within my body where those stories reside. So it's not something that I take lightly. It's something that I deeply, deeply honor And so all of the ways in which you are showing up and making your voice known in your life, like I see you, I validate you, it is a lot, and you're doing it. We're doing it one step at a time. If this episode connected with you today, if me sharing my story reflected insight or highlighted a similar story of your own, please reach out to me. Please connect. Please share with me. I love hearing from you and the deeper connection that I've been able to make with my community through this podcast has been like the deepest soul food possible. Like I absolutely love connecting with you and hearing from you. So please reach out, share this episode, share it with your friends, send it to your family. Like let's get this community of women speaking raw, showing up, being vulnerable, being seen, even bigger. Thank you for being here, and I look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the Luminary Woman podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and if you did, I would love it if you would leave a five-star review or share and tag me on social media at luminary.woman so I can spread the word and connect to as many women as I can. If this episode inspired you to share your voice and empower your story, I would like to invite you to step into a newer, bolder expression of your truth and join me on the podcast to share your story. To apply, go to www.luminarywoman.com forward slash podcast application or click the link in the show notes. 
Thank you again for being here, for sharing your luminous light in the world, and I can't wait to connect with you again in the next episode.